In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. Welcome to the Man Card Podcast and our mission to build an army of men in the arena who are becoming the best version of themselves in changing their world. Males are born. Men are made. We're going to separate the men from the boys. A man is as a man does. We want to help you to become the best version of you. Theodore Roosevelt spoke about this rare breed saying, the credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood. That's awesome. The man card belongs to those protecting integrity, fighting apathy, pursuing God passionately, leading courageously, and finishing strong. A man is as a man does. Enjoy today's episode. Men in the Arena Army, we we salute you. Guys, we honor you for grinding it out in the stress bubble of life. Males are treating the anonymous bleachers, but you've jumped into the arena, into the fray of manhood. Thank you, and thank you for listening to this episode of the Man Card Podcast. Guys, we are pumped that you are here with us today. Our goal is to call you into the arena, to call you out of every obstacle, preventing you from becoming your best version, and to call you up to higher levels of manhood. I'm Jim Ramos. I'm here with the mix master, the doctor of sound, Dr. Pat George. How you doing, my man? Hey, man. Good. Good. Good to see you. It's, it's usually to be, better to hear it, it, you. It's good to be seen. Oh, yeah. Hey, and over here on my other side, I've got the backbone of the podcast, producer, co-host, and good friend Dale Culver. How you doing, man? Doing good. Let's roll, buddy. Let's roll, baby. Okay, man word. I'm going to guess it. Go ahead. Because you keep staring at this book on my table. Mm-hmm. The man word for the week is essential. <laughs> Am I right? I told you it wasn't. I gave you a total tip. Priorities. No. <laughs> what is it? It's disciplined. Oh, oh, man. Okay. On. All right. Talk me through it. Talk me through it. A man is disciplined in his life in various areas. There's a bunch of different areas. We've talked about them, things that we need to have our our uh, eyes on and be taken care of. And so you just you need to be disciplined in those areas, whether it's health, fitness, yep. you know. Yeah. I like it. And I want to get a hold of Jocko's Willink's book, Discipline Equals Freedom. There you go. And read about discipline. That, that is so. so true, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Man, I'm excited about our guest today. Uh, he is on here strictly because I read his book and went, I got to find this guy. But before we get into it, guys, if you have not already got onto our Facebook forum for men, the men in the arena, we've got 7,200 men from around the world on that thing in just four months. And also, guys, if you want to do something painful and horrible and trying and testing, join me June 30th. We're going to do a death, 44-mile death ruck, two days long through the coast ridge range in northern oregon so if you think you're man enough give me a call no cost but it may cost you your life 
And the next thing I want to tell you guys is we're super excited. We're on Honor FM in Australia every Monday night at 7 o'clock now. So life is good. But I want to get going with the podcast. I'm fired up today, you guys. we got Greg McEwen on here with us. He's 41 years old. And I'll be honest. Here's what happened, guys. A friend I'm of my, 40, man. Oh, 40? On. You're I'm only 40? 40? <laughs> you, oh. you, you, don't, you don't get to add another year. The doc over here. The doc over here well, did the math wrongs. Well, no, but I looked at your. You haven't had your birthday yet this year. Talk, talk about a death march. You, you're like you're, this, is, this is like a, this is like a death podcast. It's like a death you, you witch. A year off. <laughs> that's okay. You're the youngest guy in the room, my friend. Yes, that's it. Yes, I'm going Hey, um, I had a guy. I, I I read about thirty books a year, Greg, and I asked a guy, "Give me a give me a book to read." He said, "Read this book, Essentialism." So, Greg, you're here today because uh, I had a friend of mine. Uh, I read about 30 books a year, and I had a friend recommended your book to me. And as soon as I opened it, I devoured it. I've written all over it. I've reread the book. And I thought, if I can get this guy in my show, he has he has formatted and reformatted some issues that I have not dealt with in years. And your book really has caused me to make some massive changes in my life and so greg i thank you for the book and i just want to read a little bit about your bio so our author our people know who you are so greg's essentialism message surfaced from a painful life lesson learned the day his daughter was born caught between the instinctive fatherly desire to stay with his wife and new baby and the pressures of a demanding job greg made the choice to leave the hospital and attend a client meeting Shortly after the appointment, Greg recognized that he had made a, quote, fool's bargain. He had been untrue to himself and had let the expectations and schedule of someone else prioritize his life. Wow. In trying to keep everyone happy, he had sacrificed what mattered most. That experience gave Greg an inexhaustible obsession to answer the question, why is it that otherwise successful people allocate their resources in such a way that they make too little progress in too many directions? His research led to the discovery of the paradox of success, where people, teams, and companies are kept back from breaking through to the next level by their success. Success can lead to the undisciplined pursuit of more. To avoid this, people need to become successful at success. Greg is has dedicated his career to discovering why some people break through to the next level and others do not. The definitive treatment of this issue is addressed in his book, New York Times and Wall Street Journal bestseller, Essentialism, The Disciplined Pursuit of Less. Man, I love this book. McEwen is also CEO of McEwenic Inc., a company whose clients include Airbond, Apple, Google, Facebook, Pixar, Salesforce, Symmetech, Twitter, VMware, and Yahoo. Oh, just the little guys. His writing has appeared or has been covered in Entrepreneur, Fast Company, Fortune, HuffPost, Political, and Inc. magazine. He is among the most popular bloggers on the Harvard Business Review and LinkedIn's influencers group, averaging a million views a month. He's spoken to hundreds of audiences around the world, including in Australia, Bulgaria, Canada, China, England, Indian, India, Ireland, Italy, Japan, and Singapore. Currently, he serves as young global leader for the World Economic Forum. So we've got a big dog with us today. Greg, thank you so much for coming on. We are excited. He's married to Anna, coming on 18 years. They have four kids, 15, 13, 11, and 9. How'd I do, Greg? All right? Well, that's fantastic. 
And what he a is, mouthful. Yeah, buddy, I'll tell you what. And he's 40, not 41, 40. <laughs> 40. We don't want to screw that one up. Hey, Greg, we're going to throw you in right now, buddy, to what we call our rapid fire round. What I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you some questions. I want you to give a quick answer, and we just want to get you loosened up here a little bit. And for you, my friend, I've made up a brand-new rapid-fire round. I'm calling it the author's round. Are you ready for this? Ready. All right, man. Here you go. Never asked these questions before, so you're the first one. First question. If your wife wrote a book about her life being married to you, what would it be called? It would be <laughs> it would be called um, uh, it'd be called uh, more than uh, more than I bargained for. <laughs> I love so it. Good. I love it. I thought it was gonna be like in the waiting room alone or something. But okay, next one, next one. And here's a question that this is something I struggle with as well. What insecurities surface when you write and speak? Um, um, you know, a does a worry about putting too much of yourself out there, oh. uh, and t- torn between that and, and a desire to actually do more, do better at that, and and be more vulnerable. Um, you know, you're, you're putting your, you're just putting your heart out there, and okay, that's enough. That's my answer. Yeah, that's good, man. I think a lot of times as speakers and authors, what we do is we put a veneer up that says, I'm this guy, when the behind the scenes sometimes, uh, if we get a little bit more vulnerable and transparent, that really engages uh, this generation. That's excellent, man. Thank you so much for that honest answer. Uh, next one. What's Besides essentialism, what's your favorite book and why? Um, uh, favorite book... And why I'm looking at my like bookshelf, like what remains on my bookshelf. <laughs> I've gone through so many books over the years. Uh, you know, a favorite book uh, is uh, is Becoming Steve Jobs. That's one of the books up there that I really like. Oh. This is this is not the this is not the the biography that everybody read, uh, unfortunately. Uh, not that I thought that was especially bad or anything, but um, but becoming Steve Jobs is a, is, a, is a better telling of who he who, how he changed. You know, he wasn't he wasn't what he was at the beginning. Uh, when he came back and turned around Apple, he had already become a very different leader than he used to be. And I, I love that journey, that story. It was a decades long journey, and it's covered in that book and not in the other. Wow, that's cool. I hadn't heard of that book. So how many books do you read a year, Greg? I. I I I read a lot, but I'm not I'm not one of these people. And I wasn't trying to imply that you are by this, but oh, he is. but uh, that that try to like I am trying to read this many books. No, I I am trying to reread. You already said that with essentialism. Thank you. There's a compliment in there for me, but there's a compliment in that for you too, which is you get it. These kinds of books. They're either reread or they're nothing. That, yes. That's how I feel anyway. Yes. You yes. know. So there's lots that I read in various ways. There's lots that I research in various ways. But what I what I really love is those books that I come back to, keep reading, keep rereading, until they become, um, you know, hopefully a part of you. 
that's and that's so that's that's for me. I'm not trying to. I just spent some time with some people, and I was impressed by what they were doing. They'd read, I don't remember the number, but something like 300 or 300 books last year between them, and they kind of had wow. a little competition <laughs> to see how many they could read, and 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 they, they you know, they're really doing it. They're listening to it. They're driving as they do it, and and they're doing it, and that's great too. But for me the the it's it's a different strategy i want it less but better i want to go choose carefully and keep reading them that's man you know? that's how I, you know that's i'm a slow reader greg and so i'll go through a book and i'll i always have a pen and i just write i mark the book up like you can't believe and then i go back and i do my second reading with what i marked up and i'm taking notes and i'm underlining things and with your book i'll be honest it took me about two or three months to go back because the first part of the first book reading just beat me up so bad. I had to set it down. <laughs> and I'll be honest with you, bro. I read a Simon Sinek's book, Start With Why, and I'm staring at that book every day. I'm afraid to pick it up because it destroyed me. And so uh, <laughs> and so this, I judge a book uh, by how many times I reread that book. And so uh, that's so good, man. I appreciate that. Uh, so wait, wait, What you're talking about is a death book. A death you, book? Yeah. You know- yeah, I mean, you talked about. I didn't quite catch. It wasn't a run that you're doing, right? The death run you're doing. Oh, the death, death run. Yeah, death hike. Yeah, death run. And and it's what you're describing is a death book, right? You're describing something that really, um, really shakes you. Yep. Uh, and uh, and and I have uh, in my mind a couple of books I'd like to write eventually, and, and one of them I think could almost be called a death book. It's uh, it's it's intended. To, to shake you, but that's it for that's for years from now. We'll, yeah, you have to wait. Well, that's carry that, on. That's Next so question. well, and that's so good, man. That's so good. Hey, so kind of along that lines, do you have a you have several quotes in your book that I just loved from other people and from yourself? But what what's a quote that you uh, really is a memorable quote for you that you've heard somewhere else? Is there a quote that stands out in your mind? Um, when I was when I was. Started very young in my life. I mean, certainly, certainly not older than ten. I had a quote book, and I would write down quotes in that. I, I'm a big believer in that. Uh-huh. But it's same principle, which is not just reading, hearing something once, but but uh, but reading it, you know, again and again and again. I, I mean, one that I is on my mind because I just got back from uh, from Taiwan, and I was sharing this idea from Lin Yutang, who's a, a philosopher. Um, a Japanese philosopher, if I remember right, and he says the the wisdom of life consists in the elimination of non-essentials. Okay, so um, my one of my questions for you today was to explain that quote because that is one of my favorite <laughs> quotes in your book. <laughs> well, when you say explain it, I mean what what what's to explain? Like what what do you what's the question for you in that? To embellish upon that for our listeners, like. The wisdom of life consists of the elimination of non-essentials. So how does a guy who's an, a non-essential, who's lived as a non-essential, a yes guy, saying yes to everybody, how does that guy go about doing that? Because to me, wisdom, in my definition, is not only knowing the way, but going the way. So it's it's a two, two-sided coin. It's not yes, just I knowledge. See. It's knowledge put to action. What you're saying is how do you do it? Yep. Um, so, so let's, let's first just, let's, let's, let's break this into three parts. One is the mindset of being an essentialist. Two is the, the principles of being an essentialist. 
And three is like the practices, the real how-to. Now, of course, what we, what we probably want to start is at the practices. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe I'll do that. Uh, I don't normally do it that direction, but let's let's just do this. So, so one of the things that I think that everybody listening to this ought to do is start a time log, like a block log for the next week. And by a block log, what I mean is, is don't don't worry about writing every single thing that you did. That's a bit overwhelming. But just for for one week, you just say, okay, blocking like even half, even an hour or every half hour. You just pause. What do they do for half an hour? You can do this whole thing on like one page mm -hmm. for the whole week. And, and your whole goal, your goal isn't to change anything. Your goal isn't to isn't to transform your life through this exercise. It is just to bring awareness, some mindfulness as to what you are doing right now. Where do you actually spend it? This precious, this crazy precious, the only, the, 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 in a sense, the only, uh, you know, resource in a sense that it's the only one that can't be, it can't be expanded. Um, what are you doing with it? And, and then sort of week two, if you do that for a week, week two, I would say is actually repeat it, but go a little more detailed, write down like really just everything you did, mm -hmm. not a block, not, not a block log, like an actual log. You don't have to do it for a whole week. Maybe you do it for one day, a couple of days. Um, another thing that you can do to build your practical thing is, is to go into your phone and there's a, under settings, you can look at how many hours you're spending on your different apps right now. Mm -hmm. well, that, that's, that's like an honesty moment. <laughs> uh, you know, this whole, uh, Oh, I don't have time for this. I don't have time for that. Well, but you somehow had three and a half hours mm -hmm. to be on ESPN this week. Yep. Uh, yeah. Three, two, four hours to, to, to be, just surfing news, kind of yep. pointless news that you were surfing. You could be on Facebook for two hours. You could be, I mean, who knows what, what the guilty uh, you know, app uh, time you know, trivial uh, exercise is for each individual. But that's one way to do it. So I think the first practical thing you have to do is you have to actually get some data. Where are you spending your precious resource? Wow. And then the next thing you have to do is – well, I guess I'll stop there. What do you think about that? Let's pause on that for a moment. Well, I think that's really good. I, I, I really resonated with your clean out your closet illustration in your book that you use throughout the book. And yeah. I, I think that that clean out your closet starts with this mindset. And it, it, help me out here, man, because you talked about three ma major parts in your book. You talked about the ex explore, eliminate, and execute. And when I heard you say mindset, to me, I'm hearing explore. I'm looking at my phone. I'm looking at my calendar. Well, I'm looking at my closet. Am I so? So so let's 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 uh, let's do it that way. So mindset is is prior to those three principles. Mindset okay. is saying that we have been conned into a way of thinking. I'm calling that way of thinking non-essentialism. Yes, it's where we believe a con, and the con is. If you can do it all, then you can have it all. If you can do it all, then you can have it all. All you have to do is stuff everything into your life. All you have to do is read 300 books a year. All you have to do is, you know, is, is be up on all the news all the time, all the scores and all the sports events. All, just do everything and you're going to have it all in life. 
And the problem is you don't have it all in life. You end up with almost none of what you really meant to get. That's so true. Uh, you, you end up with the, the non-essentials pushing out the essentials. So the first place to begin is to actually develop is to discover how deeply like saturated we are in this way of thinking in this more is better, the undisciplined pursuit of more shove it all in and, and just be connected all the time. So, First thing, see how bad that is. Second thing, be aware of what you might get instead. So a way of testing this, a way of testing the mindset is just to ask yourself, you know, have you ever felt busy but not productive? Mm-hmm. Do, do you often find yourself uh, stretched too thin at work or at home or both? Mm-hmm. <laughs> do you ever find your day being hijacked by other people's agenda for you? <laughs> yeah. Um, did you ever say yes just to avoid trouble? So th- these are just little tests of our mindset. If you find yourself saying yes to those things, then the way out is the way of the essentialist. Essentialism is a way of thinking. It's an alternative mindset. The way of thinking says only a very, very few things really matter. Mm-hmm. And the rest is noise. We can say it this way. Uh, Maxwell said it this way. He said, "He said it's difficult to overstate the unimportance of practically everything." Yep, yep. So that's the mindset: is to say, "Hold on, most stuff is complete trivia. A few things, a vital few things, are worth so much. They're worth the effort to find them, and then they're worth the effort to sacrifice, make trade-offs to pursue them, and they're worth the effort to be able to build routines into your life." to be able to make those effortless. So that's the mindset shift. It's like everything's important is the first mindset shift. So you have to do as much of it as possible. The second one, what we're trying to shift towards is a few things matter. Mm-hmm. Therefore, once you get that mindset, now you shift to these three principles or practices that are sort of the core of being an essentialist. That is one, to explore what is essential. Two, to eliminate what is not essential. Three, to make it as effortless as possible through routines and systems to execute what matters most. So it's explore, eliminate, and execute. But I want to be clear, those grow out of the mindset. As soon as you understand, well, only a few things matter, then of course you go, well, of course there's time. I can justify the time to, figure, to, to explore what actually matters. That's worth the effort. Because if I can find that diamond amidst all the noise, I found something so valuable, it's worth all the effort to get to it. So the mindset precedes this sort of skill set, this, the, the, these principles. So first explore, then eliminate, then execute. That's the sort of the continual pattern. It's a circle. It's a cycle that we actually, we, we, you know, it's like the work of life. Well, This is a, the process. And it's a paradigm shift, right? I mean, I can, I can log my weight. I can log the food I eat all the time. But unless I'm willing to make a paradigm shift towards health, I might get caught in this cycle. Yes, I've, I, I, see this, I see this both ways. When I wrote Essentialism, I saw it primarily what you just described. And I still, I still believe what I believe at that time, which is uh-huh. if you can help people go through a paradigm shift, then they're sort of never quite the same again afterwards. And and that's the big shift. And I agree. Essentialism is a shift because without the shift, people get into productivity and efficiency. Yes. Yes. And essentialism isn't 
productivity. Uh, it's not about getting more stuff done. It's about getting the right things done. Yes. So that's a big difference. You know, we're, we're not trying to efficiently, as Drucker said, it, we're not trying to efficiently get the wrong things done. We're trying to see what is the right thing to do. So yes, first a mindset shift, then these practice, these principles and practices follow. But I've also learned since I wrote and published it and since I've worked with people that there's another approach. There's another way to get there. And that is to start with the practices, <laughs> like yes. the very tangible behavioral things and and have an order to that. Because as, as one of my friends, uh, the, the, the great uh, coach, Larry Gelwick, put it, he said, he said, said sometimes people think attitude produces uh, you know, changes behavior, but he's found that changing behavior changes the attitude. And I think that that's another way in. And for some people, that's, that is the way in. The way in is to change your practice. And as you change it, right? So, so you don't feel like working out. Uh, tennis is my, my, uh, my workout of choice. And I try to get uh, a couple of my children into it too. And, <clears throat> and sometimes they or I don't feel like going out. So you just, we're just going out. We're going to go out and do it. We don't feel like it. We're doing it. As soon as we go out and do it, we feel like doing it. It's exciting. It's fun. It's, you know, there's energy attached to it. Oh, I so love it. I, I think there are some behavioral ways to get to essentialism. Well, uh, that, yeah. that, go ahead. Well, I was just, you stirred up a John Maxwell quote in me, and he said, winners do it first and feel good about it later. Whiners want to feel good before they do it. And this is what yeah. I hear you saying. Gotta love Maxwell, yeah. right? <laughs> Winners, win, winners versus winners. I mean, I, I think that's right. And and so so it's also just about tiny changes, you know, like, like let's let's, you know, anyway, so my head is very much in this space because I, I think that I think that people do need an addition to the mindset. They need the they need the tool set. And uh, and 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 that's why I kind of was thinking to start that way in this conversation today is is what I what are some of the, the practices we can begin that just give us awareness. You know, I just said a second ago, hey, we've got to get awareness as to, as to how non-essential our lives have become. But how do you do that? We start a log. Just do it. Just begin one week of saying, okay, I'm going to just actually write down what I'm doing. Don't try and change it. Just try and write it down. Bring awareness. Because suddenly when you have awareness, I mean, I remember I had a, a great experience as I was doing a kind of time log experience. And I realized, okay, I'm spending, this is a few years ago now, I'm spending yeah, 15 to 20 minutes a, a, a week on Facebook. That's mm. not much, really. That's, that's compared to the general populace. I think that's probably less than. Yeah, for but sure. It's, but hold on. It's still 15 to 20 minutes. Yeah. And, and it, am I really saying that there's nothing more important, there's nobody more important than spending that time? And what I, when I did that evaluation, I found that um, when I used the, the, the 90% rule, which you can get to in a second, I, I realized, well, look, calling my grandfather every week, I'm not doing that. He was all elderly at the time. Uh, I'm not going to have very long left with him. Surely, if I traded off 15, 20 minutes on FaceTime, 15, 20 minutes calling him, he lives in, lived in London. And I did that almost every week. I probably sure missed a couple along the way, but almost every week till when he died. Um, yeah, so did, did I make a bad trade off? I mean, no, everybody knows that. Yep. Uh, this is precisely what I'm talking about. So, so if you start with some of these practices, if you start with like, okay, let me just look at the real where I'm at 
Maybe don't even spend so long worrying about all the different, you know, the philosophy behind essentialism. Yeah. For some people, this is the way to approach it anyway, is to just say, okay, what am I actually doing? And let's look at something obvious on there that's low value and look at then something that I, I know, you know, sort of, I know I'm not getting to that I know is more important. And I'm going to make one trade off. I'm just going to switch between something. I'm just going to go, okay, less of that, more of that and try it for a while. And then suddenly be almost converted to essentialism through this kind of backdoor approach of just tr trying something. Yeah, that was, um, that was great. Well, you know, it's you know, the, 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 the low hanging fruit. Like, in fact, let's just, sorry, you were going to go somewhere. What, no, go, go for it. You were gonna go. go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to ask you, I was going to ask you the question. I'm going to ask all three of you. What is a low hanging fruit for you? Like an obvious non-essential item, something, you know, you already know, this really does not is not important. It, maybe I kind of like it. Maybe it's going to go there. Maybe it's a little bit of a guilty pleasure. I don't know, but you know it's not important. It's a waste of time. What, oh, give me something. Yeah, uh, driving to Starbucks to buy a coffee in the morning instead of just making one and going. Mm -hmm. There's 15 minutes of time that doesn't need to be wasted. Okay. Right. Perfect. Uh, yeah, it's, I love that. Give me two, each of you. I want one. Social thing. media. Okay. Okay. Give me more. What's yeah, your it, social media guilt, guilty choice? Well, I I had to take it off my Facebook. I have to use it for business and work and everything. Okay. But when you find yourself lingering on it more and more, just to check out, um, and you, you get pulled into it. Uh, okay. So, so being pulled in. So you go on there to be productive. To it, it's you're, you're mastering it, but then you get consumed in it, and it masters right. you. How much? How much time do you think you like? Give me yesterday. How much time were you on Facebook yesterday? Uh, social media, probably at least an hour. After you, how much of it was productive? How much of it? How much of it was wasted? Oh, probably half an hour. Okay, so, so okay, so 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 today, let's say I don't know if today's the same as yesterday in terms of your social media goal, but you you say okay, you use social media. What I want you to do is I want you to write down before you get on social media what your intent is. I am going to do X. And you write it down on an actual physical piece of paper. I use a paper journal, my favorite technology. Um, <laughs> but it, it, I'm serious too. It's, it's, its capabilities are extraordinary in certain ways. Its functionality extraordinary in certain ways. And it's a, lot, a technology that's lasted longer than any of the tech yep. that we're using. So anyway, get, write it down and you say – you have your intent and you set a timer. You're allowed to be on there to do that task with the amount of time. When the timer goes off, you close the machine. You're on your laptop, you close it, you're done. And you write down how long it took you, how long you actually were on it. Okay, that's the, that's the fix. Now you get a half an hour rebate. Actually, now I want the third person. I, I will get to rebates in a second. Third, third person, what, what, what's, what's, your, what's your guilty? Your yeah. non-essential is low-hanging, obvious thing. Yeah, it's getting up in the morning and... Uh... Uh, reading the newspaper and reading, you know, spending 45 minutes reading a paper that uh, causes, you know, your gastric distress because of what's going on in the news. And in that, then, you know, having the television on and watching some meaningless black and white television show. It, it, it's uh, now when you say black and white television show, literally, what does literally. that mean? Literally, you yeah, mean like no, all my TV viewing is basically black and white, so it's like old 
you know, gun smoke. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, it's we all, we old black and white. We all have uh, such a visual of your morning, man. Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm retired now, so it's, it's, it can be pretty unproductive <laughs> at times, yeah. Okay, so now, so now we've got it. Okay, we've got three things. You see, you just did it. You didn't need, we didn't have to have the big philosophical conversation, which, of course, is actually how I generally feel like the conversation I want to always have. Mm. We've got three obvious things right now. Okay, now tell me at the other side of the spectrum. I want something that you know is really important, right? Essential things equal very important. That's what it means, right? That's the the word means. So I'm saying on a if we had a continuum, the items you've just identified are like one out of ten important. Now on the other end of the spectrum, at nine or ten out of ten, there are things. There's something you are not getting to. It is important. It is essential. It is being either procrastinated entirely, or it's just be you're not putting to, you're not putting enough energy towards it. Okay, what is that? For me, it would be uh, the thing I'm struggling with right now, which is what your book has helped me with. Is I need to go back and take the time and actually schedule this into my schedule to think, think about the vision and the direction of this organization. So the think time is where I've been suffering, and that's what I need to add back in to lead this organization. Okay, so so you, it is it is strat, it's strategy. It's uh, it's long term thinking work. Yes, thinking about the different Good. ways to move forward with the organization. Correct. Okay. Um, Okay, number two. Going to the gym. <laughs> yeah. Okay, and number three. Spending uh, quality connecting time with my wife. Intentional. <laughs> Being yeah. A... What we mean is what we mean is time. Yes, time. <laughs> Listening. Yes. <laughs> and engaging. <laughs> oh, I love that. Listening and talking. Yes. Okay, so you obviously know where we're going with this now, right? Mm-hmm. But but you say, okay, so so for the next twenty one days, you do not, you don't get to, you don't go to go and get coffee. You you are not allowed to go there. Mm-hmm. You are going to spend instead of fifteen minutes. You can go for a walk. That might be fine. But whatever mechanism it is, no, no, no. Walk's not going to do it. You're trying to do like strategy works, not just general thinking. You're trying to do. It's a journal. We're back to journal. It's getting out a paper journal that is your strategy book. Do you have a strategy book? Yeah, I, I journal every day, yeah. Mm-hmm. You do. So it's yeah. right there. So yep. it's 15 minutes with a timer. So you know the reason the timer, the reason I'm, I'm adding timers left, right, and center in this conversation is, is because it helps you to just go, I really can, in the same time I used to go to Starbucks, actually make progress on the thing that matters most to me. Like this isn't this isn't some voodoo crazy thing and that, oh, well, it's just a bait and switch. In 15 minutes a day, asking the same, the, the priority question you've just identified, this nine or 10 out of 10 item, you literally can make a trade off between a non essential and an essential. And you have it now before you. Mm-hmm. And you've got two people to hold you accountable. Okay, I want to go through all three. What's, what's, um, what's the, the, how do we, what, what did you have? Social media. So you said an hour yesterday, you're going to time yourself now, you're going to reduce it and have an intent to it. And the other half an hour is going to the gym. Can that be done? Is there a way to do that for you? Could you do a half an hour for the next 21 days if you reduced your social media account? Uh, yeah, that and other things. 
that and other things? What yeah, do you mean? I mean, you, is what you're telling me that when things are important to you, you make them, you make it happen. And no, so, it isn't what happens. No, I don't even agree with that. I know what you meant, and I agree with kind of what you meant. But I'm just going to be provocative for a second. We don't do the things that are most important to us. What we do that is, is the stuff true. that's easy. That is so true. So to clarify, what that is, so it, what I'm saying is, working out is not uh, important to me until I make it important. So with yeah, my actions, with my actions, but I'm saying I, it's not. Yes, but I'm asking you, you, you. When I asked you about this half an hour thing, you're going well. Explain to me. Explain to me why not to choose that. You, 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 you sort of said, well. Yeah. Oh, I'm I mean, saying there's other, other there's other uh, piddly things that I could stop doing that would add time. It would so enable it. You could, yeah. Like what? What other piddly things could you get rid of? Oh, oh man. Um, being relational. Being too relational. What's that? Being too relational. What is that? That means I will allow somebody to walk into uh, my day, and I will push everything aside for them. He allows people to hijack him. I think you wrote that in your book. Letting people right. hijack your day. Right. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I, what, what I think you're saying, again, might you know, because I don't want to suddenly say, well, essentialism is all about coldness. It's not that. But it's, you know, I didn't write a book, for example, called Noism either, <laughs> which is important because otherwise people can go away and go, oh, yes, I've got to be like cold and uh, I'm just going after my stuff, and and that's not what it is. It's about essential things and essential relationships. Well, and you know, Greg. And so, yeah, go ahead. Well, you know, I'll be honest. With you, I've read a, I've read a lot, a lot of books on leadership, and I was reading yours. I was going, okay, this is good stuff. This is good stuff. Is this guy living out what he's telling us? And so I no. went. I well, I, I'm going to push back <laughs> on you. I think I would say, to some degree, yes, because on page 233, you listed things that you prioritize and you said uh choosing to say go no on. to speaking to go on a date night with anna you know choosing the you calling your grandpa these types of things and oh, so i thought i thought okay this guy well i have this list here choosing to set aside each day a week where i don't check social media so i can be fully present at home so what i realized in your book i was really encouraged greg because i thought this because our podcast targets men in the arena men in the bubble men raising a family and so we want and so when i you you call it in your book you said separating the uh trivial from the vital few yeah stephen the trivial Co many from the vital few stephen covey calls them habits Rick Warren called them purpose or value. Henry Cloud called them practices. You know, it, you can talk a big game, but if your talk doesn't walk your match, it doesn't your your walk, it doesn't measure up. And yours in your book, I thought, yes, this guy has the vital few. And family at the birth of one of the child wasn't a vital few, but now is. And so I I really was encouraged that that vital few, those practices, those habits, those four to six values that I see that yes, you are practicing those. Maybe not all the time, right? But they're there. Yeah. And so, yeah, I I, I, I appreciate everything you just said. I, I, I just want to respond to it this way: that first of all, there's not a single day, not one yet, that I feel like, man, I have been essentialist all day long today. Gosh, like I really so have done it. That's good. There's not one, not one day. Um, the, the so so I I, I want to I don't want to. You know, it's a struggle for me. I'm constantly struggling with this. I'm struggling to know what what's in the most important thing to do, and I'm struggling then to implement it. I mean, it's it's a constant work. 
um, you know, just, uh, I think it was last Saturday, you know, wake up. I, I not, I've been trying to plan the night before. I hadn't planned the night before. So I'm sort of hitting Saturday with our kids, with my wife. There's, there's, there's the list of things, right? She lists her things. I'm listing my things. That's a, that's like a week's worth of items on our list. Oh yeah. <laughs> no, no way I'm getting that stuff done today, but everything we're saying are, are good things. Like if any of them got done, we'd feel good that those things got done, that none of it was trivial. Yes. So we're above that level in the planning that we're doing and I'm still struggling. I mean, for at least the first hour, I'm just like, you know, I'm, I'm doing useful things. I'm reading wisdom literature. I'm writing my journal. I'm, I'm still doing things that are thoughtful, but I just can't get clarity about what is it about. And I, I finally, as I wrestled with this, uh, thought I need, I want to do something that can't be undone. I don't just want to be okay. Cleaning the cars, cleaning the stuff, doing all the, the sort of maintenance stuff and, and not get something done that, that's high, higher level than that. Mm-hmm. And out of that, one of these items became priority. So we're using some criteria, was going through this process, but I'm describing it's a struggle. But we realized, okay, you know the thing to do. My son's doing scouting. He's doing one of his big merit badges right now. And we've got this whole, we moved into a new home. It's uh, got some land uh, and we have an old chicken coop and chicken run that's been here before. We worked together. We went out there. Uh, one way or another all of the kids helped with it and we worked like hard in the sun got that done broken down ready to be taken away uh, and uh, it, that was a that was a priority project but I'm sharing it because we had to make a trade-off to do it but also that it was messy to get to the clarity yes. and I think that's what it always is you just got to engage in the wrestle in the messiness that is so and, and that's good it. that is so good Go because you're what you're saying this is so good i appreciate your vulnerability you're saying part of essentialism a major part is the struggle to be an essentialist totally i love that i'm fired up right now well i think it's i think it's you know so so let's just connect the dots with the language the disciplined pursuit i mean we could describe well actually if you look at the cover of the book looking at it right now Right. So it's messiness to what? What is that second image? You're circling the vital few. Right. But it, yes, so completely correct. It could have been a single, tight, perfect circle. It's not. <laughs> it's still messy. It's just less than before. That's good. And, and, and that's what, I, that, that's very deliberate. It, you know, it's not going to get just to total perfect clarity. I don't know what that looks like. I, I, I certainly never experienced it. Uh, it's, it's that you are engaged in it rather than giving up and just letting the most trivial things. Now you've talked to, you guys have shared with the things that are obvious trivials. There are, there's so many trivial things that people really are just letting dominate their lives. Uh, you know, of course, social media and these things, but there's worse stuff than that out there. There's like stuff, really awful stuff that people are just wasting their lives away, yeah. destroying their relationships over, and, uh, and, and 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 men who 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 are just not being men. Yes, uh, yes. you know, they're letting themselves be the the weakest, you know, most trivialized, non-essentialist version of themselves. So, so this is this. It's going to take a journey to go from that to what we want to be. Uh, in fact, in fact, I, I will emphasize this principle that. We, I am off track, ninety percent of the time. Whoa! But, but so, but so is a plane. A plane is at ninety is off track ninety percent of the time. Going from if you're going from London to to, to, to San Francisco, that plane is off track ninety percent of the time. 
it gets back on track. Uh, it gets to where it's supposed to get to rather when it's supposed to get to because it gets back on track so often. And that's exactly just precisely what I what, what I would argue needs to happen on our journey to become essentialists. And specifically, what we need is a cadence of getting on track moments. And the cadence I would recommend is the daily plan, right? The daily prioritized list, uh, the the weekly design session where we're looking a bit more broadly now. We're, we're thinking about long term goals. We're connecting you know, to, to what really needs to happen. It's a, it's, it's a higher level planning process. And then quarterly, where we're having a personal quarterly offsite. This is where we're thinking the very long-term questions. We're thinking, okay, what's going to matter, you know, certainly 10 years, 20 years down the road. What, what's going to matter to me values-wise on my deathbed? What, these are the big, this, the, the, we're going through a big values process. And then we're setting from it our long-term goals. Now, you walk out from that planning process, that personal quarterly offsite with insight that you can then feed into your weekly design session and into your daily, you know, your daily essentialist sprint, really, uh, where you're going, OK, which is the of all these things? What now do I think matters most? You're evaluating what's going on around you, the needs of your people, just like the, the chicken coop decision. Uh, you know, that's that's top down and bottom up. Man, that is so anyway, so, what I'm saying is, so I'm saying you need a process to keep you coming back on track. That is what we need—a cadence for how to do that. You need a rhythm, a routine, a cadence, a habit, right? Is that what you're talking about? Yes, but but particularly around this, even, even though it's such an obvious sounding thing, it's it's daily, it's weekly, it's quarterly. Yep. And yep. if someone isn't doing that work, all this talk is just talk. You're not going to get back on track fast enough. You're going to go on whole cycles uh, where, you, where you get obsessed with the wrong issues. You get pulled into trivia. You get pulled off going different directions. You wake up in the morning. You suddenly wake up, geez, I, I don't love my wife anymore. She doesn't love me anymore. There's no relationship here. You know, the, the awful divorces. And, 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 and I'm not judging anyone that's gone through those other than to say it, we get off track and we, we, it's not the problem. It's not getting back on track fast enough. That's just the problem, man. That That's is really so good. Well, I mean, you know, uh, I quote Lee Iacocca once said, I've never seen a dying bed on his deathbed say, I wish I spent more time at the office. And then you had talked about this getting on track. And I want you to walk us through Bronnie Ware's uh, uh, discovery. She's a palliative nurse out of Australia, I think. You talked about her in her book. And I think she, you know, when she was looking at people who were dying, discovered some things that it was too late for them to do a reset. But can you walk us through that? Yes, she, she, was, um, she, she identified the five regrets of the dying in priority order based upon her experience talking to people and, and listening to them. And the first regret of the dying was not living a life true to your, to basically to your highest values, your highest sense of conscience, uh, that you lived a life instead based upon just other, other social expectation around you. Uh, she put it expectation of you, but I think in my own experience, I want to add to that, that it's, it's not just necessarily people that say, I expect you to do this. That's the very, that's the overt stuff. But I think there's this much bigger voice in our lives of just what the neighbor is doing, what everyone's doing on social media, what people are competing about and value, you know, competing over. It's just, that's, 
that's where we're we're making our decisions based upon what other people are doing instead of what you know to be valuable yourself what you know for sure matters most <laughs> what you know for sure matters most that's a different criteria it's a very different it's, it's consistent with uh, with with first principles thinking so that was the first thing she found the second thing she found by the way was just spending too much time at work and not enough time with family that was yes. number 2 yes. consistent with what we're just describing but but it's what you know if you can get back to this question what do i know for sure matters most that's great okay you're, you you that's that's a good question <laughs> that's a good design that's a principle that you can then use to design your life from you know, by the way this first principle of thinking started with the, the early philosophers but it's been picked up recently um it's been popularized recently by uh, elon musk uh you know tesla uh, founder and so on uh-huh. spacex founder he says when you're trying to make decisions, he says if you try if you try to make decisions based upon what other people are doing or what you've done in your own past, then you won't make big breakthroughs because you just become a function of whatever is going on around you. If you want to make breakthroughs, you have to go to what the philosophers call first principles thinking. He defines that as just what do we know for sure? So that's what we're doing here. That's some background, but that's what we're doing when we ask the question, what do I know for sure matters most? that's start there. Who cares what the neighbor's doing? They might, they just, cause they're doing it. Oh, they're, they're, they just bought a new car, new RV. They just, they just decided to go on some vacation. They just decided to, they're spending time on social media. None of that says it's important. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> Does it? No. Just because someone's doing it doesn't mean it matters. <laughs> that is so you know, there could be, there could be no correlation whatsoever between what people are doing. And what's actually important, what you know for sure matters most. Well, and so that's we, where we have to get to. Well, and I think your book, what your book hit me with was, do I want to be average? Do I want to be in the middle? Or do I want my life to matter? Do I want my life to count? You quoted uh, somebody, where was it? You t- uh, she, uh, Yeah, you quoted, uh, I can't, uh, can't remember her name now, but oh, Mary Oliver. Tell me what you plan to do with your one wild and precious life. That is embodies the essentialist lifestyle, right? I want to have a life that I live out as my best version. And I can't do that yeah. without being an essentialist. Yes. She, she did, yeah. What will you do with your one wild and precious life? Wow. Is a very, it's a very powerful question. It's, a, it's from, from a, a, a poem that she wrote. And I love, I, I really, I, I liked it then. I loved it then. I like it now. Um, here's, Here's the difference. Here's the change for me. Uh-huh. Uh, I I am really I've had like an awakening about this. Oh. I don't know that I don't know that I'll write this much about this yet, but I, I intend to write about it sometime in the future about about a problem I didn't know we sort of all have. <laughs> hmm. And it's this. It's um it's called it's it's being slaves to birth till death thinking. Oh. Okay. So when someone says, think long-term, design your life, in, in, well, definitely including me. Like I co-designed a class at Stanford called Designing Your Life, essentially. <laughs> so I've given a lot of thought to this idea of designing a life and what matters and, and so on, right? Certainly more than the average person, right? In the research for essentials and the writing and the teaching for all these years and so on. With all of that, somehow 
I, it hadn't occurred to me to break the bounds of birth till death thinking mm. in design. So the, high, the, the, the longest term thinking you're going to hear about in these, in these books on design is the test. We've already mentioned it in this conversation on your deathbed. What do you want people to say about you? Uh, what do you want to, you know, what will you care about, right? The five regrets of the dying. I mean, we're talking about this. This is, this is long-term thinking. We mean, we mean to be meaningful when we say these things. But here's what I realized. This is just so, it's necessary, but so totally insufficient. Because, because it's so self-centered. <laughs> It doesn't mean to be, but it is. It's so one self wide, one self deep thinking. Mm. That's the unintended part of this. See, what we're saying is, I matter. The story is about me. The, you know, the movie is me. And let me tell you about how meaningful I want to make this movie with me at the center of it. Right? That's what we're saying. We're saying at the end of our life, what do we want people to say about us in our movie? And and how and how how small is that? How 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 tiny is that thinking? What we have to do, surely, is break through life, birth or death thinking, and and use what I've you know been calling hundred year vision, where we say a hundred years in our future, what will matter? Now, when we, let's go back to our question a second ago. What do I know for sure will matter the most? Let's add in more, one more piece to it. What do I know for sure will matter the most for the longest time? Oh, yeah, a hundred years from now, what will matter? So I think many of the trivial items, the items that are one out of ten on our continuum that we discussed before, won't matter next week, right? What what we read in the news, a portion of it matters, you know, a little bit of it, just to be informed, kind uh -huh. of know what's kind of going on. Fine, five minutes, not forty-five minutes worth. Mm -hmm. You know, not all this, not I, not all this trivia, all this. Oh, here's an update from CNN. Here's an update from <laughs> this thing, that thing. What, what are they? I don't know what this stuff is. Breaking news. Breaking news used to mean some mean something. This stuff's just 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 stuff. Yeah, yeah. So it won't matter tomorrow. So so let's take it forward. What what will matter a week from now? What will matter a year from now? What will matter a hundred years from now? When you do that, you immediately discover the point, which is that almost nothing will which is exactly the point we were making before, but now we've got a mechanism for, for like realizing it yeah. for ourselves. Wow. Of these things that you're working on, what will matter 100 years from now? That, that's an important number because 100 years from now, none of us are going to be here, no matter how healthy we are and all the rest of it. We will not be here, but some things will still matter. Now, 100 years from now, I will make the, 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 the suggestion that people won't even be able to remember us. Most people... Even people in our own family, it's a bit depressing, this, isn't it, won't think about as much. <laughs> that is a true statement. And here's the test of it. Here's, here's how you'll know it's true, because, because if I was to ask you all right now to tell me the names of all of your great-grandparents, first and last names, eight great-grandparents, can you do it without looking at a piece of paper? Just tell me their names. Uh, all eight. Gladys Lambert, Ed Reardon. Uh, uh, no, I, I got the last names, not the first names. Okay, but that's impressive. Yeah. Right? That's actually more impressive than normal. Okay, and then the other two, you say you can do it, can't Well, do it. last name is Perotti, last name is Ramos, uh, but we called him Nono, so that was a port, an Italian deal, so I'm, I cannot remember. But they were dead before I came around. 
Right. Okay. And then Grandma right. Reardon. Right. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Well, you just said it. You named yeah. it right. Yeah. They were dead before you came around. Yeah. So if they're dead before you came around, you won't even know their first and last names. I know it's pathetic. I just it's know some pathetic. of their. It's it's. I just know some no, of their it's not stories. Pathetic. Yes, but that's powerful too. That means that somebody shared them with you. That means that something got shared with you. You cared about it. It does show hundred year vision thinking actually that there's yeah. any of that that's going on. So I don't want to I don't want to downplay that or, or, or remove it. But here's the, that's the connection point. That here's the, here's the inspiring point here. Impact outlasts memory. Ooh, yes, that is a true statement. So it will be true for us as well. Our impact will outlast people's memory of us. So I don't believe in the principle of legacy anymore. I don't care for that word. I used to. I don't care for it now because it's, 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 it insinuates the same problems I'm describing. It's about our legacy. Will they remember us? And what mm. will they remember us? I don't care about that. But there will be impact even if they don't remember me. Well, they won't remember me. They won't even know my name. But maybe there are things that I could do that would still impact them. Maybe I could treat my children in such a way. Yeah. And teach them about their hundred year vision and develop that thinking in them while they're young, that they will lead in a certain way and that they will have such awareness of how they're choosing to live and lead and why they're doing a hundred year vision that they'll teach that to their grandchildren. And actually then a hundred years from now, they won't remember. They won't think it had anything came from me. They'll be talking about grandma, whoever, my daughter, they'll be talking about grandma, that my, my grandchild who I haven't even met because they haven't been born yet. They'll think they were the one that said it. That's fine yeah. as long as they're saying it. So this perspective – now I know this is philosophical, but this perspective, I want to draw it all the way back to the, these practical things we're saying. Now you say, okay, which trade-offs do I want to make? Which trade-off can I turn off the television in the morning? Let's not do black and white stuff anymore and do something today that matters 100 years from now. Mm. Can, it can, can I take on a habit – Instead of social media, let's turn social media down, do half an hour for the work, but cut out the other half and take that extra half hour and do something that is going to matter to my great, great grandchildren. Mm -hmm. Right. right. Let's make these small trade-offs, these incremental small, important trade-offs that over time, built over time. One of them for me is journal keeping. You already mentioned that you do it. Yep. I, I haven't missed a day in the last seven years. That's, there's something there. That, one of the reasons I do that every day is because I think, well, 100 years from now, that, that might matter. You know, someone, if, I can, if I can take all the mistakes I've made, if I can take the lessons I've learned, maybe not give them all the books that I have. They won't want to read through all that, but summarize it sometime in my life to mm -hmm. like, here are the key, the key mistakes and the key wins and the key learnings and, and, and pass that down. That could, that could impact things for 100 years. This is, this is a good test. The discerning between essential and non-essential things. Gosh, I, you know what? There's so much I want to say and talk to you about, uh, man. But I, I'm, you're talking about this hundred-year vision, and uh, you quote Peter Drucker in your book saying, "Quote: In a few hundred years, when history is written, the most important event in history in history will be will will that historians will see as an unprecedented change in the human condition." And you, my friend, have addressed that condition in your book, Essentialism, and I. Thank you so much for that book. I am cleaning out my closet literally right now. I am resetting my schedule and routine right now. And uh, it has been because uh, a 40-year-old guy in the Silicon Valley uh, inspired me. So I just want to say on a personal note, Greg, thank you. Well, that is, uh, I appreciate that so much. Listening to you share that and hearing the conversation today gives me fire for the deed because I realize that it's, it's, we're, we're all strugglers together. 
I love we're that. All gonna, Gosh, that's so good, man. We're all strugglers together. Hey, we got to get you out of here. We promised you an hour, but I, I have one last question for you. And I know you've got this dialed. It's not in your book, but I know you. I know you've spoke about it in your book. What are your vital few? Well, you know, there's the the list is not long. No, um, I um, I I feel, you know, that the the priority relationship of my whole life is is with God. Uh, is with is with my father in heaven, and I don't say that in any way suggesting anyone else has to believe what I believe or, so, or experience what I experience. Uh, but but to me, it's unthinkable for me personally to try and work out what is important, what is my purpose in life without that without that relationship. And if I forget it, I get off tra- track a lot faster. My my priority, you know, uh, relationship here and this. This life is uh, is my wife uh, and 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 our children, and uh, you know, and and maybe just kind of, uh, I mean, and then the the only really the third thing is just is just then service, right, to to everybody else. Who can who can you make a difference to? And that's true professionally. That's true, uh, you know, church service, community service. Uh, To me, there's those there's a very merged uh, intense. It's just service. How can how can you be useful? How can you be you know serve at your highest point of contribution uh, for this tiny tiny fraction we get on on Earth? Uh, you know, for this little verse that we get to write as part of the great big narrative. Uh, and there you go. Those are my thoughts. That that is so good. You are among friends here, man. I mean, uh, I was I wrote down a quote. You inspired me here. The problem with the self made man is he worships his creator. God, wife, children, and serving others. That really is the essentialist. I love it. I love it, man. Hey, again, Greg, it's an honor. I know you're a busy man. No, you're not. You're not a busy man. We don't we look down on busy. Your life is <laughs> your life is I, I'm looking back at Socrates. Uh, what's his quote? Beware of the busyness of life. And then you say, let's stop bragging about busy. So let's just brag about the opportunity to live full lives, fully engaged with the essential things that we love the most. And uh, man, I'm just so uh, excited that you took the time to be on our podcast. So thank you so much. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Man, it's, it's been wonderful. Hey, man, you've been listening to the Man Card Podcast. Changing your world is the toughest thing you'll ever do, but we believe there are three things we can do to help you encourage in your world-changing journey. Number one, enlist. Download our free app. has messages, blogs, videos, Bible acts, life-changing links. Subscribe to the Man Card Podcast if you haven't done so already. And join the Men in the Arena Facebook Forum for Men. We have thousands of men from all over the world engaged in a conversation on manhood. Number two, guys, invest. Go to our gear page. Pick up, check out our resources that will help you become your best version. If you haven't done so already, go get Greg's book, Essentialism. I'm telling you guys, it's one of the best books I've ever read on personal life development as the best version of yourself. So check out his book. You will not be disappointed. Number three, guys, change your world. You can launch a real-time or an international virtual team through our ministry. We're a nonprofit organization, guys. We need your help in doing this. Also, guys, get involved in your community, your church. Get out there and serve. Give your life away. Join us in building an army of men who are becoming the best version of themselves and changing their world because when a man gets it, everyone everyone wins. wins. Until next time, feel the wet sand on the arena floor. Hear the deafening roar of the crowd. (laughs) 
taste the sweetness of victory. Smell the stench of battle. I'm trying to be serious here. Smell the stench of battle. Get in the game. Get dirty. Grind it out. And be a man. This is Dale Culver, and you've been listening to the Man Card Podcast. Has your man card been challenged today? If you hunger to be the best version of you, then join thousands of men from around the world on our closed Facebook forum called The Men in the Arena. This is the best place to have open discussions around the topic of manhood. Also, make sure you ask about our newest equipping opportunity called the Man Card Weekend with the men in the arena. Let us inspire the men of your organization to become the best version of themselves today. And don't forget to purchase a copy of our popular field guide, a bathroom book for men. Jim wrote this book for men who don't read books. It's a daily study of manly words explained with great stories. You will find enough entries to read one a day for an entire year. That's right. 365 daily readings on what a man is and does. Get your own copy at mancardpodcast.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Man Card Podcast. This is Dale Culver signing off. Until next time, join our army and become the best version of you. Get in the arena. Let the world feel the full weight of who you are. Grind it out. Be a man. What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men for around the world and find out the type of dad you are.